Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Bless you. It's so good to be able to worship together and uh, we want to go uh, to the Word of God before we uh, break bread uh, together this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 12 and I want to read from verse 3. That's Exodus uh, chapter 12 and I'd like to read uh, a few scriptures from uh, verse 3. Exodus chapter 12. And I'm reading from uh, verse 3. The Bible says this. uh, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, uh, a lamb for a household. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Verse 7, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Go down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." And now the blood, verse 13, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Let's pray together. So Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that where your spirit is, there's freedom and there's liberty. I just pray that this word today will become a revelation in our hearts uh, that we would uh, understand you, Lord, in a, in a greater and a deeper way, Lord God, I pray. Um, Father, we bind every distraction in the name of Jesus. Let there be freedom. We just thank you for the forgiveness of sin. We thank you for your spirit and your presence. Let there be faith in our hearts as we hear your word, as we prepare our hearts to break bread today together. Let your name be exalted and lifted high, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak uh, today, just a few minutes uh, before we break bread together, on the power of the blood of Jesus. Uh, One of the most significant events in the history of Israel was the exodus from Egypt. It's referred to again and again as we read the Old Testament. You know the story, Israel was slaves in Egypt for over uh, 430 years. Um, Towards the end of this period, um, uh, the Egyptians were oppressing the Israelites They cried out to God and God sends Moses to lead them out of Egypt and into uh, the promised land. Of course, Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Uh, Pharaoh says no. And so God sends nine plagues, one worse than the other, to try to convince Pharaoh to uh, let the Egyptians go. Um, Pharaoh continuously says no. And then God says I'm about to send the 10th the plague, the, the, the most severe of all of the plagues. It was the, uh, the killing of the firstborn son. Uh, but on the night that that was to happen, uh, Israel was uh, to celebrate the Passover. God told them, as we read in our text, 
They were to take uh, a lamb. Uh, they were to keep the lamb uh, for three days. And they were to then to slaughter the lamb. As we read in verse 7, then they were to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and on the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat um, the lambs. And on that same night, God said, I will pass through Egypt, uh, strike down every firstborn uh, of both uh, the people and the animals, and I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Now, this is such a powerful story. Um, it speaks to us about Jesus above all else. Um, the lamb uh, being a type or a symbol of Christ, uh, that one day Jesus would give his life uh, for you and for me. Um, and what struck my attention uh, in this story uh, is uh, the reference to the blood. We don't hear a lot of messages on the subject uh, of, of uh, the blood of Jesus, yet this theme runs uh, right from Genesis, right through uh, to the book of Revelation. Right from the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve uh, sinned, uh, God, uh, an animal was sacrificed uh, to, uh, to provide a covering uh, for them, for Adam and Eve. And in, in the Old Testament, this was a pattern when the temple was set up, um, that whenever the people sinned, they would bring an animal to the temple and the animal would be sacrificed and its blood would be uh, sprinkled on the altar. It would, the blood was used to atone uh, for the sin of the people. And of course, uh, all of this was uh, a type of what was to come, of Jesus, of Christ that was to come. And I thank God that we don't have to do that anymore because we're under a new covenant through Jesus Christ. Um, and, and again, this was a type of what, that Jesus would come, that one day he would come and give his life as a, as a ransom, that he would give his life for us, that he would die on a cross, that he would be uh, the ultimate uh, sacrifice and that his blood would atone for our sins once and for all. That as John says, when he saw uh, Jesus coming towards him, he said, look, the Lamb of God um, who takes away the sin of the world. And that was significant because it made reference to the Passover and everything that that represented. And like I said, we don't talk about the blood of Jesus in church very often because it seems a little bit uncomfortable. We don't sing songs about the blood of Jesus. And in so doing, I believe, we've lost a powerful understanding of this incredible principle that runs right throughout Scripture, that there is power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus that's available to you and to me that there's power in the blood of Jesus for us to live in victory, that there is power in the blood of Jesus to help us overcome whatever it is that we're going through by his grace and for his glory. Jack Hayford says this, he says, there is no circumstance in life to which the blood of Jesus isn't key to God's releasing, protecting, resolving power, whether it's removing the potential of confusion or overcoming the impact of rebellion, breaking the torment of fear or the shame of of the past. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And my, my, my prayer this morning for us as we, as we uh, look at this particular thought and as we kind of dive deeper, and, and really I'm just going to scratch the surface of this, of this topic, but my prayer is that it would become a revelation in our hearts. But more than that, it would shift something in our mind. It would shift something in our hearts towards Jesus, towards the incredible act that happened there some 2,000 years ago at, at Calvary. There is the hymn that we, we do sing from time to time, and, and it's, just, it's just so powerful. It says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. As I was thinking about this, and certainly, you know, I was singing it at home and, 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 uh, and on my own, but I just can't wait for the church to get back together again. And for us to be in an auditorium where we can sing this hymn together because it's just going to be powerful. Because, and it's not because the song is powerful, but the, but, but the lyrics are incredibly powerful um, and, and can, can make such a, a difference in our, in our hearts and lives. So just briefly, before we break bread together, I want to answer a, a simple question. Why is the blood of Jesus so important to us? What, what is it that makes the blood of Jesus so important to us. And I, I want to I give you just briefly three, three reasons that I pray will speak to all of us here uh, today. The first reason is because uh, the blood of Jesus is central uh, to uh, the gospel. Uh, the first reason uh, why the blood of Jesus is so important is because it's central uh, to the, uh, the, the, the gospel message. Um, we need to understand that the greatest problem with humanity uh, is sinned. And the Bible, Bible says that all of us have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. That means that all of us have said things or done things or thought things that have uh, displeased God. And it's the sin that will keep us uh, separated from a relationship with God, uh, not only now, uh, but also uh, in eternity. And uh, the Bible tells us that sin needs to be dealt with in some capacity. Uh, that, that sin needs to be dealt with in, in one way uh, or another. Either we will pay individually for that sin or somebody else will. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came and he paid the price. Uh, he, he took the penalty that we should have taken uh, for uh, our sins. And it's because of the shed blood of Jesus uh, that our relationship with God can be uh, restored. Jesus prayed uh, the, the price with his own blood. And because of that, we can be free from shame and we can be free uh, from guilt and, and condemnation. Now, let me just show you a few scriptures that speak about this. And really, it's just going to touch the surface. But I'm, I'm, my, my prayer is that some of this is going to become a revelation in our hearts. The Bible says we have been redeemed. That means we have been uh, bought back uh, by the blood of Jesus. We belong to the kingdom of darkness, but we've been brought back by the blood of Jesus. Paul says this to the Ephesians. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Um, not only have we been redeemed, but we have been reconciled to Christ. Um, in other words, our relationship with God has been Restored. What, what is it that restored our relationship with God? What is it that enabled us to come back to our relationship with God? I tell you what it was. It was the blood of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says this. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth and things in heaven, by making peace. Listen to it. Through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What is it that enabled us 
to be reconciled to God. I tell you what it was. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only have we been reconciled to God through the blood, but we have fellowship with God. It's such a powerful principle. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus Christ. What is it that gives us boldness to enter into the presence of God? I tell you what gives us boldness to do that. It's the blood of Jesus. We can enter into his presence with confidence. And what, what gives us that confidence to come to God is understanding that Jesus shed his blood for you and me, that our sin, the price for our sin has been paid for and we can have fellowship with God. In the Old Testament, it was only the high priest that could have fellowship with God. And before he went into the presence of God, he would have to sacrifice an animal. And what he would do, he would, he would place his hands on, on that animal and it was symbolizing a transference of the sin that would go from his own life and onto the life of the animal. And then the animal would be sacrificed and, and the blood uh, would, be, would be sprinkled on the altar. And that way, his sin was atoned for. But now, listen, because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter into the presence of God with boldness. We don't have to come to God timidly or ashamed or afraid. The Bible says we can come into his presence with, with confidence. You know, the enemy is going to forever come and accuse us. He's going to say, oh no, oh no, you, you, you can't come into the presence of God. And I'm going to speak about that in just a few, a few moments. And, and, and the enemy is going to always tell us why we can't spend time with God and why, why we can't come into the presence of God. But listen, what gives us the confidence to come to God in every single day of our hearts and in our lives, it's the blood of Jesus. Bible also says that we are justified by the blood of Jesus. And that means that when God looks at us, he looks at us just as if we had never sinned. Romans says this, Romans chapter five and verse nine, since we have now been justified, listen to it, by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? What is it that's justified us? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, we struggle to forget our sins and, and we are forever beating ourselves up because of the mistakes that we have made. But when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, he doesn't see our past. He sees us through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we have been justified because of the blood of Jesus. Not only are we justified by the blood, but we're also sanctified. Sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Here's what Hebrews says in chapter 13 and verse 12. And so Jesus also, uh, therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered Outside of, outside of the gate. And so we are sanctified. The moment we give our lives to, to, to Jesus Christ, not only are we, are we redeemed, not only are we reconciled to God, not only are we, are we justified, we are also sanctified. But there's a sense that, that we are also being sanctified. Um, and, and, and it's not just that we are sanctified, we are, we are also being sanctified. And what that means is that when we do sin, we don't have to live in condemnation and fear. As the Apostle John says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness and from all sin. And if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, that's, that's just a powerful message 
the sense of being uh, uh, sanctified is we are becoming more like Jesus, as I said. And the reality is all of us sin from time to time. And in, in our quest to become more and more like Jesus, to think like Jesus, act like Jesus, behave like Jesus, there are times when we will sin. And, and what do we do with that sin when, when, when we're conscious of that sin? What, what do we do? Well, the Bible tells us we can come into the presence of God and we can confess our sins to God because He is faithful and He will forgive us. What, what is it that f- cleanses us from that sin? I tell you what it is. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And that gives us confidence to come to God. Listen, there's no greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because there's power to change and to transform the heart of, 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 of the human. Um, and the message of the gospel is really simple. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all of us have sinned in some way. And if, if we're ever going to experience salvation, if we're going to ever experience the grace of God, we need to accept the reality that all of us have sinned in some capacity, that in some, in some sense we have a debt with God. It's called the debt of sin. Now, I know we like to think of ourselves as being pretty good. And, you know, when we compare ourselves to someone else, you know, we think, well, well they're, they're, they're the ones that need to hear this message, but I'm pretty good. Uh, the reality is that all of us have sinned. Um, none of us would, would be able to stand and say, you know what, I'm perfect. I've never made a mistake. I've never thought something wrong or I've never done something wrong. All of us have sinned. And the, and the reality is we need to accept the, the, the reality of that. And once we understand, once we get a revelation that we have a, a, a debt with God, that, that somehow that sin is going to have to be paid for, then uh, uh, the, 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 really, the reality is we can, we can come into the presence of God knowing that Jesus paid the price for your sin and for my sin. Uh, he, Hebrews says this, without the shedding of blood, there is, there is no uh, forgiveness. And the good news is that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and he paid the price. His blood was shed. He took the penalty for our sin. He said, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to die in your place. I, I will take the penalty for your sin." And if we would believe that, the Bible says, and and confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and confessing that with our hearts at life, confessing him to be our Lord and our Savior, then the Bible says we can be saved. And the moment we make that decision and the moment we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, where we physically speak those words and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. The moment we confess those words, there's a change and a transformation that that, that happens in our hearts and lives. That, That burden of sin, that burden of guilt, that burden of shame is suddenly lifted off of our hearts and we can experience the freedom of salvation. Because of the blood of Jesus, The Bible tells us that we have been redeemed. We've been bought back by Jesus Christ. We belong to God. We have been reconciled to God. Our relationship with God has been restored. What is it that restored our relationship with God? I tell you what it was. It was the blood of Jesus. We can have fellowship with God. How beautiful that is. That the God that we serve is not some distant God. That he's not 
far away, that he's not disinterested in our hearts and lives. But above all else, God wants to have fellowship with you and me. And because of the blood of Jesus, we can have fellowship with God. We can come into his presence with boldness and without fear. We are justified. That is, we, we, we are treated just as if we had never sinned. And we are sanctified. That means that when we do sin, we don't, we don't have to live with shame and guilt. But we can confess our sins to God. And the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, the enemy is forever going to remind us of all the mistakes that we've made. The, en- the enemy is always going to remind us of, of, of the mistakes of the sins that we've committed in our hearts and lives. And if we start to hear that voice, we can start to feel intimidated in some way. And I'm going to speak about that in just a moment. But listen, every time the enemy reminds us of our sins, the greatest thing that we can do is quote the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by the enemy, uh, he didn't start to have a discussion with the enemy. He, he didn't start to reason with the enemy. But you don't understand. But, but, you, but you know, it wasn't really my fault. Uh, the enemy didn't reason. What did the enemy do? Uh, sorry, what did Jesus do when the enemy came against him? Jesus uses the word of God. The greatest thing that we can do is not reason with the enemy, is not argue with the enemy. The greatest thing that we can do is just quote the scripture that every time the enemy comes against us, the greatest thing that we can do is remind the enemy of what the Bible says. The enemy is going to remind us of our sins. Is that, is that, is that a, a lie? No, it's the truth. But listen, it's not the whole truth. It's just a half truth. The whole truth is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, including every single sin that we have committed. Listen, when we get a revelation of that, it changes something in us. When we understand the power of the blood of Jesus, it shifts something in our hearts. It shifts something in our lives. It changes how we view ourselves. We don't see ourselves any longer as, 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 as people that have made mistakes. We start to see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. And more than that, it enables us to enjoy our relationship with God with freedom, the blood of Jesus Christ. How powerful that is. Second reason why the blood is so important is because the blood is a weapon against the enemy. I've already kind of alluded to that, but let's look at that more deeply. Revelation says this, this is Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, and it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, And now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. How has he been cast down? And they overcame him. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. If if there's someone that understands the power of the blood, it's the enemy. The enemy has a number of strategies he uses to come against us. He uses fear and discouragement. He uses lies. And he uses the weapon of accusation and condemnation. He knows that uh, we we can be so vulnerable in some of those areas. It's when the enemy comes and reminds us of our past. And when when that happens, it's so easy uh, to fall into shame and guilt. And you know, there's some of you that are listening today and you're saying, Pastor Joe, I understand, you know, uh, what what you're saying and I I, I get it, but but you don't understand what I've done. 
Oh, it's easy for you because, you know, whatever, you, you know, uh, you don't understand how bad my sins actually are. You know, the Bible says, where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. And when the Bible says there that the, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, it doesn't say from some sin. It doesn't say from the little sins. It says there, from all sin. And it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so often we can live in guilt and shame. We can be trapped by guilt and shame. But listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says we have a weapon. That in Revelation, John has a vision of the people of God overcoming the enemy. And how did they do that? The Bible says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, speaking about Jesus, speaking about what Jesus did there at Calvary. Listen, church, there's power in the blood of the Lamb. That when the enemy comes against us, we can stand on the blood of Jesus. That every time the enemy reminds us of our sin, we can stand on the truth that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Third reason why the blood is so powerful is because it protects us from judgment. It was the night of the Passover and God said to the people of Israel, I want you to, I want you to take a lamb, three days old, and I want you to sacrifice that lamb. And I want you to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts of the home. And the Bible says on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, verse 12, of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I, when I strike Egypt. God was about to bring judgment on Egypt. And the only thing that could protect them from this judgment was the blood of the lamb. It had to be sprinkled on the, on the doorposts and, uh, uh, of their home. And the Bible tells us that uh, God said, you know, when I, when I see that blood, I will pass over you and you will not be affected by that judgment. You know, the Bible tells us that God is a God of love. The Bible tells us that God is slow to anger and he is abounding in love. He's a gracious God. Just look at the story of the, uh, of, of the exodus of the people of Israel. Look how many times uh, God went to Pharaoh and, and said, listen, you know, here's, here's the first plague. Let my people go. And, 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 and Pharaoh hardened his heart. God come back, comes back again with a second plague and a third plague. And if, if it was up to you and me, I would have stopped at the second one. But no, God comes back. He gives another opportunity. And then there's another opportunity. And there's another opportunity. And it comes back again and again. And it's how God deals with us in our lives. He's the God of love. He's the God of grace. He's a patient God. He comes back again and he comes back again and he comes back again. But make no mistake, don't misunderstand the grace of God and the love of God. Don't, don't misunderstand the fact that God is slow to anger and abounding in love because there is a day when God will come 
not as the Savior, but he will come to judge the world. It reminds me of Noah and, and, uh, and, and, and the ark and, and that, that he was building, and Noah was preaching for 120 years. And, you know, when people were saying, oh, don't worry about it, and, and they were ignoring that message. And then one day, the day came when Noah and his family entered into the ark and the door was closed. And then it was too late and it began to rain. You know, I don't know if we're living in the last days right now, but I tell you, as we're looking at, at what's happening in the world today, it's, it's going to make all of us start to think, you know, what, what is happening in the world today? Just what we've seen in the last week uh, through America and, and I, you know, and you know, I was just thinking during the week, I thought, well, that's happening in America. It certainly won't be touching Australia. We're so far away from what's happened there. And then, you know, we've seen certain things happen over, even over, over, this, over this weekend. And it's just incredible what's happening all over the world. And, you know, who knows? We could be living in the last days. The Bible speaks to us about some of the things that are happening right now. And it's not so much about the issue, it's, it's the spirit behind the issue that's really concerning me. The Bible says, listen really carefully, the Bible says just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Here's, there's a couple of truths right here in this particular verse. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 and it's some real truths. I know we like to talk about the love of God and the grace of God and I, lo- I know we love to talk about the, the peace of God and the joy of God and I know we love to talk about those good things and we talk about heaven but hey we can't talk about those things without talking about the reality of life. And the Bible says that all of us are destined to die once. Now, I know, I know we think that we're going to live forever, but the reality is, as, as, as I look around, the statistics are still pretty clear that 100% of people die. That is, doesn't matter how healthy we are, doesn't matter how many vitamins we're taking, uh, there is going to be a day when we will die. Um, and the Bible tells us so. The Bible says not only will we die one day, then we will also face judgment. Now, that's, that's a daunting task. That, 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 that verse has the capacity to kind of send, send shivers up your spine, thinking one day I'm going to appear before God and, and, and he's, going to, he's going to judge my life. And for some people, that's the only perception they have of God. Well, there is some truth to that. We will be judged. The Bible tells us so. But listen, if the verse stopped there, it would be terrible. If the, if the verse st- stopped right there, then, then it would give us a wrong perception of who God actually is. It's a reality, but the verse goes on and says, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, to those who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. Bible says today is the day of salvation. So many people say, well, Pastor Joe, I get the message. I believe everything that you're saying, but I'm not quite ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to wait another day. Reminds me of uh, Egypt and and Pharaoh, and there was this frog plague that had, that had come. One of one of the plagues was a was a frog plague, and and uh, what's really interesting about that is that. The Egyptians served all of these gods that they felt that were protecting them. And, you know, one of the gods that they served was actually shaped like a frog, you know. And so here's God kind of saying to them, 
you know, you, you, think, you think your gods are, are powerful. Let, let me show you who I am. And so he sends this frog plague, you know, on the Egyptians. I mean, frogs everywhere. I mean, they were having frogs for breakfast. They were having frogs for lunch, you know, in a stir fry. Just amazing. Frogs' legs, just unbelievable. And they were having for lunch and dinner. And they got sick of them, you know. And so Pharaoh calls Moses and he says to Moses, get rid of these frogs, you know. And so Moses says, when do you want me to pray? It's just a really, really interesting thing. And, uh, and, and Pharaoh's response is, uh, pray tomorrow, you know. Now we're going to spend one more night with the frogs. And so many people are like that. They hear the message of the gospel. They kind of, they know deep in their hearts. These, these, are, these are not people that are, that are atheists that are saying, oh, I don't believe in God. No, these are people that believe in God and they understand the truth of this. But they say, you know what? You know what? Tomorrow, uh, uh, tomorrow I'll give my life to Jesus Christ. Tomorrow I'll surrender to God. Tomorrow I'll get my life uh, in order. The reality is we may not have a tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ. And there's only one way that we can do that. And that's by surrendering to Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, take my life. And maybe there's someone listening to this message today and you've, you've, you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to know that there's only one way that we can be saved. Um, some people think it's through good works or religion. The only way that we can be saved is through the blood of Jesus. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood of Jesus, I will pass over you. Now, what's interesting is that the people of Israel had to, had to uh, sprinkle the blood on the doorposts of their home. And really, while it's speaking about their home, it's actually a reference to our hearts and our lives. When we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts and our lives, it's as if we are, we are sprinkling the, the blood of Jesus on our on our home on our lives and God says when I see the blood I will pass over you friends why don't you give your life to Jesus Christ today why, why, don't, you, why, don't, why don't you why don't you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and say, if you've never done that I want to encourage you to do that don't be afraid it's not about accepting a religion it's not about joining a church it's about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and all you need to do is say Jesus come into my life thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Just as the people of Israel had to apply the blood on their homes, we need to learn how to apply the blood of Jesus over our lives and over our homes and over our marriages and over our finance. Question is, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to know what the Bible says about the blood of Jesus. We need to understand and know the truths related to the blood of Jesus. Second, we need to believe what the Bible says. Andrew Murray says, faith in the blood produces great results. And then we need to apply those truths to our lives and to our families and to our homes. That when the enemy comes against us with lies and accusations, we have the right to exercise authority by applying what the blood of Jesus says. What the word of God says about the blood of Jesus, we have the right to apply that over our lives. Jack Hayford says this, when we plead the blood or when we apply the blood, we're to do it on the basis of the body of evidence that through the blood of Jesus Christ, all hell has been broken in its power. All sin has been neutralized. 
The power of death overwhelmed and every human need paid for once and for all. When the enemy comes against us, we need to say, Satan, the blood is against you. So we need to know what the Bible says. We need to believe what the Bible says about the blood of Jesus. And then we need to apply it to our hearts and lives. Jesus was about to die on the cross and he was gathered with his disciples, celebrating of all things the Passover meal. And here we see this, it's not by accident that it's as if they were taken right back to when the people of Israel were leaving Egypt. All throughout Israel at this time, people were preparing the lamb that was to be slain for the Passover. And Jesus is there in a, in a room with his disciples and he's about to break bread. Little did they know that God was also preparing the lamb that would be slain. And Jesus is with his disciples and he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And then he takes the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That every time you break bread, remember what happened there at Calvary. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. There, there it is right there. That every, every time we break bread together, every time we share communion together, not only do we remember the fact that Jesus gave his life for us, we also remember that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. That the blood of Jesus was shed for us. And so today as we break bread, I pray that we will get a greater revelation of the blood of Jesus. I, I pray that this is going to become a greater revelation in our hearts. That just as the people of Israel applied the blood to their doorposts, of their home, and were saved, we too would apply the blood of Jesus in our lives and in our homes. That Jesus would be Lord of our hearts and our lives. That Jesus would be the Lord of our homes, of our marriages, our children, our business, our church. Not, not in some superstitious kind of way, but with an understanding that through the blood of Jesus, we have redemption, we have fellowship, we are justified, we have protection from judgment, we have healing, restoration, and authority over every work of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. How great it is that we have an opportunity today to be able to remember what Jesus did. And I, I, I pray that as we do that, the emblems, going to take on new significance for us. This, this is not just some, some Christian tradition. This is not just some ritual that we, religious ritual that we go through. That what we're doing right here this morning has incredible significance for our hearts and lives and the capacity to change us at the deepest level by His grace and for His glory. Why don't we pray together? And so Father, we come before you even at this time in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we stand before your presence, not because of our righteousness, not because of our good works, not because of the incredible things that we've done, not because we belong to a religion, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that our sins have been atoned for, 
that the price has been paid, not just for the little sins, Lord God, but also for the big sins, Lord God. And I just pray for those that are watching right now. I pray this thought would become a revelation that we would no longer be victims of the accusations of the enemy, that we would no longer be prey to the enemy's tactics to bring us down. But that, Father, blood of Jesus, we would stand righteous before you, knowing that you've done incredible things in our hearts and lives. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to break bread today, Lord, I just pray that by the Spirit of God, your power would be released in our hearts and lives, and that we would know you in a greater and a deeper way that your name would be exalted and lifted high in our lives. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.